I like to do the wild thing. Action took place. Kinda wet. Don't forget. The J. The I. The M. The M. The Y, y'all. I need a body bag. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Black Guy With Us podcast with your host Rod and... Karen. And we're just here for another episode. That was Doobie Baby with me. Yeah, you recognize those lyrics? Yeah, about some flashbacks. Yeah, you know, you used to be a freak back in the day. Bill be if devote. You wouldn't know, would you? You were with me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically, you know, just wanted to um, go ahead and thank everybody for downloading the last episode. Yeah, thank you guys. Much love. Got a whole lot of comments and feedback. And speaking of comments, you can actually go to our Podomatic uh, page that I link you to. On my Twitter feed, and you can leave comments on the podcast if you want. Yeah. Or you can continue doing what you're doing and uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think about uh, your comments, or leave comments on Facebook or iTunes. Yeah. So we really and we really do appreciate when you guys leave reviews. We do on uh, iTunes because it, it really uh, says a lot. I know it's kind of difficult to do. So um, let's go ahead and just get into some, you know, just what's going on this week. Cool. And, uh, of course, today's podcast is brought to you by Are We There Yet? The new comedy um, coming to TNT, uh, directed by Ice Cube, starring Terry Crews. So, ask yourself, are you there yet? And I want to know, is it here yet? Because I love the NBA playoffs, but if I see one more commercial for this damn sitcom. That and double down. Damn. Them all two people that have money? Seriously, man. Chicken and black sitcoms is... I love it's the NBA, but can we get away from some of these stereotypes? Can we get us a, a couple... Uh, 
can we get get them to throw in a couple of uh, a couple of non stereotypical commercials about stuff that doesn't have to do with uh, black people or chicken? Yeah, like I don't know, man. They're trying real hard, but um, <clears throat> so uh, I watched Mayweather Mosley this weekend. Uh-huh. Forgot to bring that up Sunday. I, I watched it online. Somebody sent me a link on Twitter, like, "Hey, watch this," and it was free. So I wow. just watched, I watched it on the laptop. And uh, I had to watch it with the European announcers because, you know, whatever stream it was, it wasn't the HBO stream. Oh, okay. So I was a little disappointed because I love my man Larry Merchant and oh, Harry Letterman. They're the best. Those two dudes are the, are the best. Um, I love Larry Merchant for his drunken interviews. Yes. Classic. Yeah, he's always telling the fighter. You can tell he's pissing the fighter off with each question. And, and uh, also I love when... Uh, Harold Letterman, Harold Letterman breaks in with one of those like, "Okay, Jim, here's how What's I got going it." going on? Yeah, one sixteen, one thirteen. But yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, talk about the fight. Um, Mayweather uh, won pretty handedly. He got touched in the second round, meaning he got hit. Okay. Uh, and it was the first time I've really seen him get hit since he fought Zab Judah. And, um, you know, it always surprises me how amazingly well he can take a punch because even though he was stumbled, a lot, he never got punched shot and he never lost his confidence that the guy couldn't hit him again. Okay. And that actually helped him uh, control Sugar Shane Mosley the rest of the fight by just counter punching him and being very defensive and elusive. And, I mean, he's so good that people kind of hate on him because um, I don't think anyone would watch him if he didn't create this type of hatred about him. That's true. Because he's so good that he makes good fighters look boring. Oh. Like, people that have knocked out other people come in there and fight uh, Mayweather. And then they, they end up looking so bad that people are like, Mayweather ain't never fought nobody. But it's just because he's whooping people's ass. <laughs> you know, if you whoop people's ass long enough, it don't look pretty, but it's ass whooping. So uh, anyway, I enjoyed that fight, and of course Mayweather Pacquiao. Looking forward to that. And if he uh, beats Pacquiao and makes Pacquiao not look um, good, he makes Pacquiao look boring too. He's the greatest fighter I've ever seen. If he can do that, um, and hopefully they get that together, because it's just falling apart over technicalities about drug tests. Oh. And um, you know, I, I don't want to see. It's too much money, man. I think they were going to make that work. I hope so, man, because they got too much money on the line, and it's sad to see a spot, a sport like that. You need the best people to want to fight each other. Yeah, that's true. It's not like MMA, and it's not like you know uh, these UFC and stuff where it's like yeah. so much action. It's it, with box with boxing. You have the guys at the top, and then you have these other guys who no one wants to watch. And that's true, like the undercards and yeah. stuff. Yeah, like you, if you're not up and coming, no, like and you're like and by up and coming, I mean you've got. 10, 20 wins under your belt. Okay. A bunch of knockouts. No losses. That's up and coming in boxing. Okay. It takes a while to generate that. Yeah, it does. So, and, that, and that gets lost quite often because a guy might have that record. You see him fight and you go, oh, he can't beat Mayweather. And then, you know, he if he doesn't get beaten till he gets to Mayweather, typically he gets in the ring with Mayweather or Pacquiao and he's outclassed and you go, oh, why did I ever think this guy was good? Oh, that's true. So, um, alright. 
So have you heard about Dwayne Wade's wife suing Gabrielle Gabrielle Union? Wow. Yeah. Um. So ain't that the lady on um Flash Forward? I know. Wrong lady. Um, I think that is her. I don't know. Shit. I, I know a lot of brothers think Gabrielle Hughes is the finest thing on the earth, and she is fine, so. She's you very know, pretty. I ain't hating, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that's the same chick on the Flash Forward or not, um, but somebody will send oh, us a pie checkers. Uh, yeah, somebody will pie checkers and let us know. But um, I, I prefer Carrie Washington over Gla- Gabrielle Union personally. But um, yeah, so. Uh, th- She's suing Dwayne Wade's wife is suing her. Um, the already contentious divorce battle between Dwayne Wade and his estranged wife, Savon Wade. Uh, wow, what a name! Yeah, S I O H Vaughn uh, has has taken. And maybe it's pronounced Shavon, but uh, you know how it is when you're born uh, black. It's so like as soon as the baby pop out, we lose. We got some type of DNA gene that just activate to make us spell regular ass names oh, with all kinds of vowels, symbols, and signals. Come on, yeah. make names simple. <clears throat> it's like you just had a symbol for Prince or something ah. on your birth certificate, and I don't know why we do that, man. But it's like you can. I mean, before the baby comes out, like you talk to somebody like Steve, what you gonna name your kid? And he's like. I'm gonna name him Steven Jr. And if it's a girl, I'm gonna name her Violet. And then they come out the operating room, you're like, what? So, how's Violet or whatever? And it's like, oh no, we named her Shaman Drika. It's like, <laughs> I think it's some type of DNA. Not us, I'm sorry. Our kids gonna have regular, boring names. That's what all black people say before they had a baby. So, oh, I'm t- oh, we gonna. Uh, it's a black gene. There's nothing you can do about it, Karen. You won't know until I, it happens. I, I guess it's gonna come from you because I'm on a regular name. Something that the teacher can spell and can't pronounce. Well, I don't think we would know so many people with these weird names if it wasn't for uh, that black gene. So. <laughs> That's true. But I got a plain name and you do too. I know somehow our parents escaped it, but I don't know. I, know. I don't have a lot of faith. It's 50-50. It's a toss-up. <laughs> I hope not. Um, all right. So, uh, according to multiple reports, the lawsuit filed Tuesday in Cook County Court uh, alleges that the Heat Superstar's girlfriend, actress Gabrielle Union, engaged in sexual foreplay with her estranged husband in front of Wade's 8-year-old and 2-year-old sons who are listed as plaintiffs. The incident allegedly occurred at Dwayne Wade's home in Miami while on an unsupervised visitation, the uh, Chicago Sun-Times reported. So it looks like the children are getting involved in this lawsuit, and wow. it's, this is ugly, like man. like an angry ex-wife. And I feel bad because so many people want to ride against the woman when it comes to a divorce. Like, a lot of dudes just want to ride against women. It's like, why are you taking half? But... Dwayne Wade's wife is one of the ones that took, that did things the way that so many people recommend you do things. She was there from the beginning. She was there when he wasn't shit. She had faith in him, had faith in his potential. And homeboy became, got drafted, became, you know, was a baller at Marquette. uh, got, Got drafted to go to Miami. And I mean, she's one of those people. She had plastic surgery. Like, she upgraded herself over time. And it still didn't matter at the end of the day because, you know, if a dude has a wandering eye and if he has more options, a lot of times that guy is gone no matter what. That's true. So it's like, you know, all these people are like, you ain't earned half. Well, maybe she did because she supported him when he wasn't shit, you know? So, I mean, they've been together since high school. 
Wow. So, I mean, this isn't some lady who tried yeah. to holler at him. Who came out the blue. Yeah. yeah. It's not a groupie or one of those basketball wives that come on VH1. This is an actual person who was in love, and she basically got, you know, thrown thrown to the side because Gabriel Union is fine as hell. And, I mean, it sucks, but that, that seems to be what happened there. So, um, you know, I just thought that story was interesting. Uh, also, my man Steve Nash, uh, two-time MVP, earned a lot of respect from me this week because Steve Nash spoke out about the Arizona immigration bill. Uh-huh. And um, I really respect any athlete that's willing to put his reputation on the line to support something or to be against something. That's true. And it's kind of it's kind of funny because most athletes don't take that stance. No, they don't. They don't want to affect their money. Yeah, most people don't take it either. No, they don't. You know, um, as much as they like to criticize, and like we were talking about last night, it's real easy to tell somebody else what they should and shouldn't do with their money when it ain't your money. Yeah, like that's why I have nothing but respect for this, and I don't disrespect anybody that doesn't do this shit. Not me but, either. You know, I really respect this. Um, although he's a Canadian, Steve Nash of Victoria has leaked sneakers first into the contentious immigration bill debate in Arizona. Huh, that's our second mention of contentious in the article. Uh, I thought I guess, I thought only divorces were contentious. I didn't know <laughs> immigration bills could be contentious. Or sneakers. Uh, the Phoenix Suns point guard appeared on ESPN yesterday and lashed out at the new bill that would allow Arizona police to stop and question people on reasonable suspicion of being illegal immigrants into the United States. I'm against it, Nash said on the ESPN show Pardon the Interruption. I think this is a bill that really damages our civil liberties. It represents our or it represents our state poorly in the eyes of the world, added the St. Michael's University school grad. One of four Canadian sporting legends picked to light the cauldron during the opening ceremonies of the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics. It opens up the potential for racial profiling and racism. It's a poor example for young people and something we can do without. Nash's stance doesn't surprise those who knew him in Victoria and who saw his sense of social justice emerging in school. As good an athlete as he was, Steve would always be the guy who looked out for the smaller, slower guys in PE class, said Michael Sheffer, who taught Nash physical ed and social studies and co-coached him in basketball for three years at Arbiter's Junior High School. Damn, they went all the way back to this dude's junior high school? Wow. They just got some references on them. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you know, just basically, you know, the rest of his article is probably just going to suck him off. But, I mean, he does deserve praise because... It just takes a whole lot of courage to step out and say something like that when you play in that state. That's right. So the people who support this law are outside your front door. Yeah. So, you know, you you they walk to the store. your neighbors. Yeah, you or you drive to the store, or you go get something to eat, or you just go check your mail. Hey, and, and especially with this being such a Republican uh, issue, That's right. the kind of people that live in Steve Nash's neighborhood... Are probably against this shit. Oh, oh yeah. So, um, you know, it just took a lot of courage, whether you agree or disagree. I think we all can agree it took courage. Um, and actually on Twitter, I got into it with some people because they said that, you know, Michael Jordan, who refused to take a stance uh, against Jesse Helms a long time ago. Okay. They said that Michael Jordan was a coward, and I do agree that it, is, it was cowardly to avoid 
Like it was cowardly because what he said. He said Canadians buy sneakers too, which is basically him saying Canadians. I mean, I'm sorry, Republicans. <laughs> I'm, <saying Canadians. laughs> I'm sorry. We all know Canadians do not buy sneakers. That was a ridiculous statement. <laughs> Canadians are bare feet or wear sandals. Um, yeah, so we all know that um, Republicans buy shoes too, which is his way of saying I'm about my money first. And if you feel like, hey, people that pull that pull that that choose money over ethics, over uh, moral issues, are sellouts or cowards or whatever, I can agree with that. I understand. And the only point that I was trying to make was, if we're gonna start labeling people as cowards for not speaking out when it's gonna hurt their pockets, then we had to start looking at ourselves and applying that same type of logic. And right, you know, I we do this podcast. If someone really wants to find out my government name and all my information, they actually can yeah. quite easily through this podcast, through Twitter, through Facebook, however they want to do it. That's true. So um, I'm not hiding behind my words when I say this shit, but I find that a lot of people, you know, you have your alias on Twitter, you have, yeah, like you have your your anonymity, and you can say what you want to. So it's easy to make these judgments of people, but at the end of the day, you're not going to work. And having somebody say to you, um, so Jim, how do you feel about immigration? And then when you say something, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. Well, now I might not give him that raise. Now, uh, you know, I might not give him that promotion. Not, you know, right. you might lose your job. Money. Like, people aren't risking their own money Maybe. to make this. But everyone's really comfortable with saying someone else should risk their job. That's right. And they should risk their money. Now, look at Craig Hodges. He got blackballed from the NBA yes, he for being so pro-black. So it's not like this is beyond the realm of possibility that someone could be uh, could face consequences. So um, hold on one second. Let me take a cough break. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I had to take a little cough break. You know, I'm still getting over this cold. Um, but uh, back to what we were saying, everybody loves taking chances with other people's money and saying what other people should do. That's right. And I say no. That is what I do on my podcast. It's not for you. <laughs> You're taking away my content. Stop Dragonfly Jones and C. Jelani. But, um, nah, no, uh, I actually uh, just thought that it's very hypocritical in general. The way that people are about, um, about, about the, the way that we want every, all these athletes to be political heroes. A lot of these motherfuckers don't care, y'all. Either way or the other. No, they don't. And then even worse, some of them might think the opposite of what you think. Yeah, and while you're shocked and surprised. Yeah, while you're sitting up there hoping Michael Jordan gets into the political game for the first time in his life and speaks out against Jesse Helms, what I know of Michael Jordan is that he might not like black people. Michael Jordan told Charmillion there, I don't take pictures with niggas. Like, this wow. ain't, this isn't necessarily a dude that is identifying with all these pro-black causes. Just because we as black people and as a culture chose him as a representation of that early hip-hop, that early swagger of the 80s and, and the rebelliousness and the youth movement, just because we picked him as our icon doesn't mean he picked us. Michael Jordan isn't necessarily this uh, big, this symbolic figure who's also a political figure, i.e. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Like he's not that guy. He's not a voice of a generation. He's just a cool ass dude who 
looks cool. He has a cool image. He's not necessarily a good person. Dude does a lot of fucked up shit. So let's not get, let's not start attributing these stances or, or these, uh, these um, hurdles for him to jump over. Let's not create these hurdles for him to jump over in order for us to say ah, he's a good person or he did the right thing. There are plenty of reasons not to like Michael Jordan and not speaking out about this, about politics back in the day and being about his money first are two things that I do see as they can be considered reprehensible but if we start having that standard we should have that standard for everybody. That's right. Don't start being a jealous, petty person and only having that standard for people with money. Yeah. Because then you become a hypocrite. Yes. Don't be a hypocrite. Yes. If you wouldn't risk your thirty thousand, don't tell somebody they need to risk their thirty million. You know, that's just the same as these people that are like NFL players shouldn't get paid this much money. If you believe that shit, then you're an asshole too. Like. There's certain things where people just earn what they earn, they get what they get, and they do what they do. Now, you can judge them off of that. I'm not saying you can't think he's an asshole, but I just think it's going to be hypocritical for you to call him an asshole, and then you go to work and see somebody say something or do something that you don't agree with, or, you know, you see these political conversations come up, and you say, let me just stay out of that. I don't want to become known as the guy around the office that... Is not going to fit in, you know? And that's the kind of social pressure that he was really under at the time. And like I said, I'm not giving him a pass for it. I'm just saying I never expected much of him. So why would I be shocked and appalled that he turned away from this subject, you know? So, um, But I do understand other people's points, you know, of him being a coward. Yes, he's a coward. You know, not defending the man, just saying I understand. So, uh, I, I mean, while I don't have much respect for him avoiding it, if I started losing respect for everybody that ever avoided uh, some sort of controversial issue that would cost them money, I would lose respect for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, a whole lot of people. And on top of that, my thing about it is that for some reason, once you throw money into the picture, a lot of people forget that these are people too. Like, for some reason, yeah. when you throw money into the picture, all, all of a sudden, the standards are higher. Right. All of a sudden, expectations well, it's jealousy. are higher. It is jealousy. It is jealousy. Okay. It's complete jealousy because you're saying, I only make X amount of money. You make more than me. So, you should be able to, you should have to do more than me. Like, socially, politically, charity-wise. And I say, fuck you. It's their money. Yeah, and they can do what they want to do with their money. And on top of that... I don't see nobody football tackling you at your desk while you stapling papers. You don't lose, you know, break bones and lose limbs and all that stuff. So my thing is that, hey, it's like a car crash every day for a lot of these athletes. And if everybody could do it, they wouldn't make the money that they make. Yeah, and the, the, what the, and the biggest hypocritical part of this is most of us work at places where they tell you, you know, let's try to keep the politics. Let's try to keep the religion. Let's try to keep that shit out of our job. Meanwhile, when it comes to athletes, we expect that to become part of that job. No. You just do you, man. That would be the same as me saying I disrespect everybody in the NFL draft that didn't come out and be as fervent about their religion as Tim Tebow. That is how idiotic it is for me. Like, I, you can give Tebow props for being so outspoken, oh, yeah. but you shouldn't take away 
respect from other people because they don't say shit about religion. And that's true. You know, because, like I said, everyone wants a dude to speak out until you find out he disagrees. Yeah, and then it's the problem. Then you want everybody to shut the fuck up. It's happened to the Dixie Chicks and yeah. it, if it can, it's like Dave Chappelle saying that joke. If they'll do that to them three white girls and I don't know what they'll do to my black ass. <laughs> but let's move on. Um, uh, yeah, so the Boondocks premiere came on last Sunday. Yes, it was good. It was good. And um, I actually wanted to play a clip of the song from there because uh, I love this song so much. So everybody check out this song in case you didn't watch the Boondocks. Here's a clip from the show. Magnificent joints, Will I Am's all-star celebrity tribute to Barack Obama. Got up this morning, things weren't working right. I said I want to make a change. I said I want to fight. Obama walked up and said, yes, he can. I said I want to ride your nuts because I think you're the man. Now I like Oh man, so that was awesome. Uh, Boondocks is back, y'all. Yes, sir. And I, I love missed it, it man. I, I was so, it. I'm so glad they're back, man. And I think that first episode really hit home because my Twitter timeline was kind of divided because I, I follow a lot of black people and vice versa, and you can see some people being like, like. Uh, very like man that wasn't that funny and I think it's cause it kinda hit home and I don't think it was supposed to be a drop down a drop dead hilarious type episode no it was and kinda on top funny. of that it was telling the truth I mean yeah. because a lot of that did happen like a lot of people was like oh he black I vote for him no matter what I vote for him like it really showed the truth and, and the sad part about it some people don't want to hear the truth oh let us re- let me recap real quick oh, the sorry. episode is actually about uh, Barack Obama being elected and it's about just like the song said Dick Rodden Obama and of course there's a lot of cultural satire in the episode yeah. such as the auto tunes they use in the uh, Will I Am featuring uh, Thugnificent uh, song that we just played and they also went into uh, and I don't know if they were trying to get at Andre, Andre 3000 or not <clears throat> but they kind of went into how uh like they had Thug Nivison, who was a rapper who tied his uh, brand name to supporting Barack Obama, kind of like Young Jeezy did, kind of yeah. like Jay Z did. And then when he went on to uh, the Bill Maher real time show that they showed on the clip, yeah. he didn't know anything about po- politics. No. He was just basically supporting them because it was the cool thing to do. That's right. And it hit home because it's like a lot of black people in our community did support Barack Obama with more fervor than they did other candidates because it was the cool thing to do. Yeah. And a lot of people in general did. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know his stance, his politics, where he stood. All they knew was that you look like me. And so uh, for a lot of people, it it was like a self-promotion off of him running. Right. And the thing is, man, like... I understood the symbolism and how people can support that, and I'm not against that. Oh, no. The, the thing that I find funny is 
there's this indignant uh, like feeling towards the other side. So it's like if somebody is ignorant and they vote for um, John McCain out of ignorance, that's just as bad as people voting for Obama out of ignorance. Yes, it is. And you're not going to get rid of that in any election because oh, everyone no. has the right to vote. Yes, they do. So, yeah, you know, it's, you know I, like I just felt that so many people were upset because it was like, hey, they're talking about our people. But that's kind of what the Boondocks does. It's, yes, it's, don't act shocked and surprised if you ever watch the Boondocks. Yeah, it's one of the few shows that actually does get a pass to make a satire of black America and that doesn't have to pull his punches. That's true. So I did like the episode. Uh, yes, okay. I even liked how they had Tom's wife, who basically wanted to fuck Barack Obama. Yes, yeah, she And that's did. how he got her vote. <laughs> so... <laughs> She went to Washington by herself, left him there. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Ruck- Ruckus was hilarious, too. Yeah, he hated Barack Obama, man. Uh, and, that's a, and the other thing was, it did show that at the time, and I do believe this, any indifference towards Barack Obama in the black community did become, you're a hater. Yes, it did. You're a sellout. Man. I caused a lot of arguments and bickering and fighting, and you're like, it's not that serious. Yeah, and I love the subtle uh, the subtle satire of them picking on auto-tunes. Because I hate auto-tunes. <laughs> or auto-coons, as I call people like T-Pain and those dudes. Like, you don't have to do everything in auto-tunes for it to be hot, man. And that's true. What happened to just rapping, you know? So, anyway, uh, next subject. Um, oh, I was thinking about this t- today. When I worked at IHOP, mm-hmm. when I was a waiter, um, I experienced some accidental racism. You ever experienced that? Uh, give me an example. Well, this girl was telling a story. And she's telling a story to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. She was Hispanic. And... Um, it was she and like her cousin, he's also Hispanic, he was there. And so she's telling him a story about this time that they were riding down the street and they got into it with some black dudes while they were driving down the street, right? Okay. And so they were, um, I don't know, honking at each other, flipping each other off. So they pulled over into this parking lot, her and her brother and her, um, and somebody else she knew. Okay. And they all get out the car. And so these black dudes pull up into the parking lot and they don't get out the car yet. And they're just looking at them. And so she's, and she's just talking real fast, you know. And I'll try to do the story how she was doing it. And she was just like, and so then Javier got out the car and he was like, what's up, yo? What's up? And they just didn't say nothing. And they rolled down the windows and they was like, fuck you. And it was like, no, fuck you, punta. And then I was like, well, pull out the nigga beater. And then we was going to beat him. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Pull out the what? And she's like, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And I was like, didn't mean to what? Like, she like, she's about to cry. And she was like, oh my God. I was like, I, I just don't understand. What are you talking about? And she was like, you know, the N-word beater. Uh, I was like, what, is, what the fuck is a nigga beater? And she was like, it's a, um, like a baton, like a stick that the police use to beat up people. Like a wow. police stick. And I was I like, that's new word of the day. That was a uh, accidental racism. That's true. And, but after that, man, I never gave her a ride to work again because I was like, y'all roll like that, man. I don't have anything in my house that I call by a racist name, man. <laughs> and it rolled off her tongue so crisp and clean and f- like with no effort. That I was like, man, she must be uh, saying this shit off time. Um, yeah, and twice. Yeah, but that was in my younger days. Now it's like. I think most people say stupid shit behind your back and you just have to take it as long as they don't say it to your face and as long as you don't really know about it, fuck them, you know? 
I'm not gonna let that shit affect my life. Um, so uh, Kobe Bryant had a photo shoot. Yeah, I seen those pictures. You saw them? Yeah. Bamani Jones sent them to me. Uh, hilarious. Yeah. Um, hold on, guys. One more cough break. Sorry. Yeah. So this is Kobe right here. Um. And I just want to read a quick quote from this article because they're talking to the stylist about the pictures. And, you know, like Kenny Smith said, um, TNT, he looks like a mix between Tupac and Liberace. Um, He said he, uh, the the stylist said, he's cool, young, and a successful athlete. I wanted to give a modern approach. I was thinking of Tupac Shakur, where I put a band underneath in the hat to make it look more hip hop but it translates a surreal look when it creates a strong image and it was something that hasn't been done before it's mixing the inspiration of Tupac and a gentleman with a white hat a mix of hip hop and a conservative look whoever took these pictures ain't heard a damn Tupac song have they yeah, I like I don't yeah, this doesn't look anything like Tupac. No, or, and they made him all dark, man. Like they photoshopped him, made him dark. Yeah. He, he got a white bow tie looking like a milkman. Ah And then later in the in the thing uh-huh. he got this pillowcase hoodie on his face. Yes. And he looked like a, a G.I. Joe uh-huh. guy. And then on the last picture <clears> he got a plunging V neckline. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's hot and gay. I don't care what nobody says. You have yeah. no business. He needs his man card taken away. David Stern <laughs> ought to go and just say, look, if you are a foreign photographer, you cannot take pictures of my athletes. Y'all do a terrible job. Yeah, nobody loves uh, nobody loves Kobe more than me. And even I had to say that's a bad look. Yes, terrible um, Kobe. So, oh, also somebody sent me this link about Farmville. Uh-huh. Farmville creator... Zynga valued at $4 billion. Wow. Farmville game developer and publisher Zynga is issuing shares at prices that place the total value of the company at around $4 billion, according to Business Insider. A somewhat surprising valuation given that the number of monthly active users on Farmville has recently declined, according to the blog. Uh, who could have pre- predicted 20 years ago or even 10 that virtual farming would be one of the most lucrative businesses on the internet. So I guess it's not just you that's addicted to this crap. I told you, man. I don't know why you think it's just me. It's not. Um, it's still a problem. <laughs> a lot, a lot I of love people, Farmville, man. A lot of people had to do crack for it to become an epidemic. So. <laughs> and they make it for me. I don't pay for it, but they make it for a million dollars from somebody. They don't make it no more right because everybody doing it. Zynga uh, hosts several games on the web through Facebook, including Farmville, Mafia Wars, Fishville, Treasure Isle, Friends for Sale, and many more. Cafe World. Friends for Sale. I ain't never heard of that one. Sound like prostitution. Sure, that's not a Craigslist app? I'm not sure. Um, hold on a second. Yeah, that sounds more like something Craigslist would be down with, uh, with the Friends it's for Sale. sale. Um, Farmville alone has more than 80 million players and is employing some creative ways to make money. Brand sponsored crops, for example. The valuation makes even more sense than you consider the fact that Zynga play, plans to expand to mobile platforms like the iPhone. Woo-hoo! No! <laughs> Damn it! Woo-hoo! I'm gonna lose my wife. <laughs> 
I'm just seeing you the divorce papers through the iPhone. Uh, you better see him do Farmville. I better grow him up as a crop. Mm. Attack him uh, to the chicken. All, all business successes aside, some folks aren't fans of the games, usually because they are often see unwanted game-related updates in their Facebook news feed. Actually, you can turn it off. So that's actually kind of bullshit. I just don't. I just think it's crazy because it doesn't really do anything. Just a reason to keep you logged into Facebook more. Mm, that's true. Um, so uh, this girl Milano Runner, mm-hmm. who follows me, and she's pretty cool. Um, um, and she's one of the people that I'm always like, I wonder why they follow me because she's such a good person. She's like a youth minister, and you know, so such a night a marathon runner. And I'm like, you follow you follow me? All I do is curse and talk about niggas all day. I don't. <laughs> anyway, uh, she told me about this guy named Salad Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a, a website called the so, uh, the Social Media Experiment dot dot com. Uh, y'all should check it out. Um, and he's also on Twitter as at Silent Clark. And um, basically, the synopsis of him, he's, his name's Clark Harris. He's just a normal guy whose family has been surrounded by cancer, so he decided to do something crazy. The social media experiment is dedicated to the memory of my mother, who finished her 10-year battle with uh, CCL, CLL, chronic uh, lymphatic leukemia, Wow. on February 14th of last year. My brother has persevered through an aggressive type of sarcoma... Uh, uh, called a triton tumor, wow. but it's taking the use of his dominant hand. His strength and enduring positive outlook serve as an inspiration to my endeavor. For my endeavor, I hope to gain insight through this experiment on what it feels like to have your normal life challenge. Together, we can show the world how social media can make a difference by getting us one step closer to finding the cure for the disease. So basically, what he's doing is uh, he's not talking to people in real life. He's only communicating through social media and technology for a month. And it looks like he's trying to get some uh, donations. Uh, uh, It looks like he's trying to raise $100,000. So I don't know if he's going to make it or not, but I mean, I guess every dollar counts. But um, it's kind of cool that he actually um, is doing this. And he's blogging about his experience every day. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of dope. Cool. So, um, and I guess now in society, you probably can go without a month without communicating with people. Yeah, definitely. And I think we should all chip in and see if we can get some of those uh, celebrities that people don't like hearing too much. Like, we can get Nicki Minaj one of these pages, then we can make her shut up by donating to her for a month, and we won't have to hear any music that she makes. For some people, it wouldn't work. Yeah, they would talk no matter what. So you heard about Nick Cannon and his uh, candy ring? Candy ring? Yeah. Nick Cannon gives Mariah Carey with huge candy pop ring. And it looks like those rings that you used to get back in the day that were, like they had the big, pla- not plastic, but the hard candy on top of a ring that you put on your finger. Yes. Except it's made of straight up diamonds. Damn. Look at the way that shit sparkles. Wow. Oh. Have you ever seen this in your life? Uh, no. And don't you ever buy me a ring like that. Yeah, I cut off my own fingers to get to that ring. But, uh, 
Yeah, they, they said uh, the two were said to share a love for candy pop rings. So Nick took it a step further to get his lovely wife a huge ring for their second anniversary. Nick has said he intends to get her a new ring every year. How sweet. Now, don't you wish your man did that? Hell no. <laughs> you wouldn't have no damn money. Yeah, it's funny, though, because um, Nick Cannon is such a... Like, he's younger than her. But Mariah Carey is such a, like, young, acting old woman. Yes, you know? That song that Eminem had about her, mm-hmm. where he's talking about um, how cold she is for sex and, like, she wanted him to do all this shit for her, like... All I keep thinking about is Nick Cannon has to go through all that. He's the guy that's with her, so you know, for him, that's just another day of life. You know, going wow. Yeah, and she's with the old lady. Yeah, she's got this whole virginal thing going on, where it's like, oh, I'm just all into you know unicorns and you know rainbow bright and all this shit. Not twelve. Come on. Yeah, you're a grown ass woman, right? Grow up. Um. So did you hear about the gin rights? I don't know a lot, but I know them niggas going to jail. <laughs> but that tax evasion, I can tell you that much. Yeah, one thing the white man don't like is you messing with his money. Yes, and on top of that, another thing the white man don't like is paperwork. And y'all made them do a whole hell of a lot to come and get y'all, so y'all going to jail. Yeah, I, I thought this article was, uh, you know, it was timely or whatever. But uh, jury finds Jen Wright's guilty. Oh. Yeah. They got them niggas. Oh, they sure did. I didn't, I didn't know they had found them. A federal jury has found Charlotte Pastors Anthony and Harriet Jenright guilty on numerous charges in their four-week trial on fraud and tax evasion charges. Anthony Jenright was found guilty of 17 or 18 counts. Wow. His wife was found guilty on four of 13 charges. The couple co-passes the Greater, Greater Salem City of God Church in Charlotte. Uh, the jury reached its verdict in just over four hours of deliberations Monday night. Its decision was met by anguished cries from Jen Wright supporters in the federal courtroom. Federal prosecutors and defense lawyers spent much of the day offering closing arguments to the jury, which adjourned at 4.10 p.m. to begin deliberations. Assistant U.S. Attorney David Brown told jurors that the Jen Wrights, who co-pastor Greater Salem Church of God, uh, City of God Church, Damn, it's a long-ass church, man. Yeah, it is. Black churches always had a long-ass, you know, Episcopal, Zizel, came down from the God, mountain. Holy Ghost, Phil, Baptist, <laughs> Yeah. Um, consistently underreported their income on their tax returns. This case is not about religion. There's been no attack on their religious practice. That's right. There's been absolutely no criticism of Greater Salem Church. They are not being prosecuted because they are ministers, but being a minister is not an excuse for for or an exemption from complying with the laws of this country. Say that again. So basically, hey, um, yeah, they was on some like, hey, dog, we we uh, you know, we 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 ministers. We don't gotta pay taxes because you know separation of religion and state. Mm, you get that money tax free. Don't don't think they ain't gonna want that money. Yeah, prosecutors accused the Jim Rice of failing to report 1.8 million dollars. Or of more than $5 million in income from 2002 to 2007. Wow, you can't steal $2 million and expect them not to find out. And it's funny because, like, you guys made $5 million. That's that a is, lot of money. That's the height of greed. You're supposed to be a simple pastor, minister, or whatever. And that's one of the problems with religion down here is that it's become a business. Yeah. 
And there's like churches popping up on every corner next to the liquor store. That's right. And every these churches are all created with the promise of like growing, getting bigger, and and people can feel like, hey, that's a get rich quick scheme. That's a pyramid scheme I can get myself into, get myself a church, get this community to start funding me, funneling me money. And it's like, well, what are you gonna do with that money? What are you gonna do in your community? When here you go saying what I'm gonna do is take five million dollars and not pay taxes on it. That's the height of greed. Yeah, it don't work like that. They gonna come. They they go. They coming to get you, Uncle Sam. It's coming to get you. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I don't feel any sort of uh, sympathy Me either. for people that get caught out there like this Ooh. because look, man, you had five million dollars, like. You couldn't found a way to pay your taxes. Yes. You, you, know? you, you chose not to. Yeah, you can't just ignore the law because, hey, I'm above the law, you know? And this is the consequences of that. That's true. So, um, and this, this happens so often with churches and pastors being corrupt and whatnot. It's almost like, you know, these churches that just seek to get bigger and get more publicity... They just almost never come to a good end, you know? A lot of times they don't. But, um, yeah, so, uh, the, uh, Anthony Jim Rice lawyer Ed Henson told jurors this afternoon that the government is attempting to punish his client for following church tradition of accepting love offerings. Nah, brother, that ain't got nothing to do with that. Mm-mm. And similar financial gifts. So, yeah, uh, we, we took $5 million in love offerings. Word. Come on, cuz. Um, <clears throat> uh, any errors on the Jim Wright tax returns, Henson said, were innocent mistakes, not crimes. The kingdom of God is not gen- run on generally accepted accounting principles, Henson said during the closing arguments. Thank God, if it were, we'd all be in trouble. Neither Bishop Jim Wright nor the church got these technical things right, but that does not make him a criminal. Well, I'm not trying to be funny. If, if church is a business... You got accountants, and these accountants know should know the federal law. And the so, thing, the thing is, as long as you keep up this idea of well, no pastor, no church, nobody that ever has led a, a church can ever go wrong, then we'll always have these weird defenses where people are just throwing out God, hoping that something sticks against the wall. That's true, and it, and it don't work like that. I, I'm sorry, it, it just don't. You. You have to obey the laws of the land, regardless of your religion or anything like that. You have to obey the law of the land. Yeah, it's kind of sad because you're going to still have a lot of people in church denying that that this happened or saying like, oh, they were set up, they were framed. It's just like, Nah, they got too know. much time. I mean, uh-huh. They got too much time to be hunting after somebody for some nickels and quarters and dimes. If they if they done took their time to hunt you down, oh, you, you going to jail. Yeah, so it's just sad, man. And the whole love offering, seed offering thing is already kind of shady because, like, that seems like a weird tradition that we have in the black community where it's like, hey, our pastor's so great, he's like our mascot. Let's give him some more money in addition to the tithes we give him every Sunday. Like, I get that you want to, like, I get that you want to appreciate these people, mm-hmm. but the constant, like, Let's funnel some more money in this pocket. Let's put some more money in this pocket. And, and instead of that money going out, because that's a lot of money. There's a lot you could have did with the community with that $1.8 million that you call yourself shaving. Yeah, so it's just, I don't know. I think it's a little over the top, and this is the only result of that. You yeah, know? it is. The church gets too big. The love offers keep coming in. 
And yeah, you should be paying taxes on that. You should be reporting that as income. You stop, and now, bam. And I promise you, they ain't gonna be making no five million dollars next year. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they might be making it from jail. I mean, the thing is, once you get these people on the hook, these the people who go to your church, they will support you pretty much through anything. Yeah, and then you got some people, they gone. Yeah, I mean, you still got Catholics that go to church and. They keep having scandals about boys getting molested and shit. That's true. Religion is so powerful and so personal. Like, people don't just drop their religion normally when they're presented with, hey, these people do wrong shit. It's like, hey, I'm, I got to come up with some way to rationalize this or else I have to start admitting I just wasted a whole bunch of Sundays fucking yeah. with these dudes and giving them my money. <laughs> and it's like, I, I can't admit that I'm that stupid, so therefore, I can't... I would not be able to uh, admonish this preacher or this even when I know they're wrong, because then that would make me stupid for giving them my money. See what I'm saying? So most people are not gonna they're gonna go into denial too and say, "Yeah, you're right. That's they true. framed you. You know, yeah. the government just don't want to see a black man with no money." Nah, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Um, I was gonna talk about Times Square bombing, but I'll just say real quick. Um, that shit is fucked up, and I'm glad the dude's talking and giving up all his people. He started snitching real, real quick. quick, so um, you know, I, I'm glad that's I'm glad that that's going on or yeah, whatever. Because if he if he'd have got the Mumbai, <coughs> that'd have been it. I think Mumbai he was heading to. They never found him again. The saddest part about all that is that I honestly started thinking about it, and if we had 9/11 today. I don't think people would be nearly as united as they were in the aftermath of the original 9-11 11 years ago. No. You know, and that's sad. Like, our politics have come that far or digressed that much to where it would immediately turn into a blame game. Some people would be trying to use it to get Obama out of office. Some people would be trying to use it to say Republicans tried to stop everything that was going to protect us. Some people would say it's because he... Uh, Tried to negotiate with countries that were hostile to us. Like, you will immediately, instead of just saying, these people are crazy and you can't stop every terrorist attack. That's right. We would instead have a great political debate about how, you know, everything is somebody's fault. So, it's just funny. I don't think we would have that type of uh, united feeling again. Um, And then the other thing I want to know about the Times Square bombing is, how long did it take to find parking? I mean, you up in. I mean, did he drive around for like four hours just to find a space to blow his shit up? I don't know. And then they didn't go off. Yeah, and um, let's see. I I don't want to talk about. uh, I don't want to talk about Arizona anymore. Uh, uh, Oh, the kid that got tasered at the at the baseball game. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pro taser. Pro taser, you get your ass on the field, you get you get some hot juice, baby. That's what happens. Yeah, so. I am too. This is their workplace. That's like somebody coming in your jar, running all up and around your cubes and and all that stuff. This this is their workplace. You have no business running onto the field. It's millions and millions of dollars of product out there, and I didn't pay to see you run across the damn field on national television. I paid to see the baseball players, basketball players, football players. To me, you have to make an example. Tell you one thing, his ass go down with that pee stain in front of his pants. I bet you another white boy won't think about running his butt out there no more. I just want to see, um, I think they should go ahead and shoot one of these dudes. Just once. That's all you have to do it is one time. Because my thing is this, have you ever seen a black person run out on anybody's professional field? 
Uh, I don't think so. Even them dudes that got their ass whipped in the um, Detroit Palace uh, fighting Ron Artest was... Uh, even the dudes that ran on the court was white, so... How about Mexican, Latino, any, any, any other group? I don't know. That one dude looked like Turtle from Honorage that got... <laughs> they got punched by Jermaine O'Neal, but I don't know, man. I, I mean, I don't know what's up with these people. I think part of it's also the attitude of fans. Fans really think they have... Like, I paid my $20. I get to call you anything I want to. I get to do what I want to. I get to get as drunk as I want to, disrespectful as I want to. And it's all part of being a fan. And every once in a while, one of them needs to get tased so they can learn their fucking lesson. Um, anyway, let's do a couple articles so we can get up out of here. Ooh. The top 10 drunkest holidays. Ooh. Um, Cinco de Mayo is the number one. Wow. Is that right? Or am I supposed to put it over here and then dispose a guess? Um, St. Patrick's Day. I Mardi Gras. Figure out St. Patrick's Day be number one. Yeah, that's what I think too. Maybe I'll just make this list up. And then, uh, sorry guys, we're on CNN and as I thought it was just gonna give me a list of all the, uh, of all the holidays that get you the drunkest. And, uh, instead it's a game where you click on it and, uh, Save it and share it, but oh, okay. I see. The order is Cinco de Mayo is when white people get the drunkest. Actually, I don't know that this is all white people, but a since, lot of people get to yeah, it. Since I only know white people that that get that get slizzard, I'm gonna just say it's all white people. Um, Cinco de Mayo, where white people celebrate Mexicans and then want their ass deported the next day. Um, St. Patrick's Day, when we rape the Irish culture and. To make all kinds of horrible stereotypes about Irish people. Uh, Green. New Year's Eve, where we drink so much that we forget the whole last year. Uh, Mardi Gras, which is uh, New Orleans, so everybody can go down there, pull some titties out, which is my favorite part of Mardi Gras. So you can make girls going wild and then get so drunk you can forget you're on there, and you can both be surprised when you see it in the commercial. Fourth uh, of July. Fourth of July. Yeah, that's the best way to celebrate. Wow! If you're not gonna get drunk and fuck around with explosives, then what kind of party is it? You know what I'm saying? You got to worry about me dealing with fireworks. Every time I get drunk, the first thing I say is, "Please give me something that can kill me." Um, Thanksgiving Eve. Thanksgiving Eve. Yeah. That's um, a surprise. Yeah, I can kind of understand that though because. You know, you gotta go deal with your family the next day. You gotta watch football. You're like, let me just get fucked up and pass out until the food's cooked. <laughs> Halloween. Damn, they get lit up with the kids going trick or treat. Damn. Now they I know what drinking with the kids then. Now I know what got in the Bushwick build on uh my mind playing tricks on me. <laughs> this year Halloween fell on the weekend. Me and Ghetto was a trick or treat and. Uh, hey, who's drunk? Derby Day. Derby Day. That's now that is a white holiday. I'm sorry. Never heard Derby of that. Derby Day is horse racing, right? Yeah. So they just got to up this weekend, just passed. See the the secret that a lot of people don't know about, you know, these horse races, is that white people go there and get fucked up. They do. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm. Yeah. They only race the horses. Because they know no black people give a fuck about that shit. What? And they know we're not going to come around. So then they're like, hey, man, we can get drunk as we want to. You know, and that's that's how they have a good time. And they have a glass without me. I don't give a damn about no horses. Purim? I never heard of Purim. What is it? 
Now you know that's probably a super secret white holiday. <laughs> if I ain't got heard of it, gotta have a handshake to get into that holiday. One of my white friends listening to this, can y'all please uh, email me and let me know what Purim is? P U R I M. Yeah. Because I never heard of it, and Emma. it's fucked up, man. It's fucked up how y'all put do a brother like this. Keep us out the loop. I invite you into my world, Even. show you, show you the secrets of being black. And this is how y'all repay me. Even having my Luther King Xbox Day, and this is the love I get. Yeah, invite y'all down my house for Malcolm Xbox Day. Oh my bad. Martin Luther King. <laughs> Martin Luther King. I don't know. That's just that's just preposterous. <laughs> I invite y'all down my house for Malcolm Xbox Day, and y'all gonna still keep secrets from me. I wanna know what Purim is. Uh, and Super Bowl Sunday, which is not a fucking holiday. No, that's not. So those are the top ten drunkest. So uh, you know, <clears throat> how to hide your digital collection? Make sure risque files on your computer stay hidden. So this will keep our theme about porn going for another week. All this talk, all this talk about preserving digital legacies got me thinking. What about the bits we don't want to leave behind? You know, the risque material. This is a sophisticated article here. Uh, don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. This seems like a complicated subject, and it's not. There's some data that's private, both in terms of content and well, as as the fact, as well as the fact of its very existence and your viewing of it. See, now that's sad. If you are a grown ass person and you have to keep your porn secret from your loved ones or your <laughs> whatever, that's sad, man. What's the point? That's one thing I don't understand. People that get in relationships. And have to hide shit from their significant other. Why Why are y'all in a relationship? Yeah, that's true. You have to hide the shit that you enjoy. If you like porn enough to download and save it on your computer, then you, you know, gotta. I pod, I phone, come on. Yeah, you gotta be secret about it. Come on, cuz. You fucking up on life already. Um, but you should read this article because you don't need it. Um, this fact, not just the porn itself, belongs to you. There's no need for it to be a discoverable part of your digital life or, God forbid, your digital legacy. Here's how to make sure your private collections are in order and out of sight. Level one, obfuscation. Obf- obfuscation? What the hell is that? I don't know. This is a very, very high-class porn article. Uh, who, ha- <laughs> who hasn't created a folder called business only to fill it with entirely different kind of business? It's hollow tradition enjoyed by nearly everyone who used a computer in the last 20 years. And as ridiculous and inept as it sounds, it's probably worked for work then. See, I think this dude needs to write an article about his relationship and why he has to hide his porn folders. And why you use such big ass words? <laughs> I'm so smart, but I can't figure out how to tell my wife I want to look at porn and I'm a grown-ass man that pays bills here. Um, anyway, I'm not reading the rest of this because this is written by a dysfunctional person. <laughs> hey, grow some fucking balls and tell your girl, hey, I like to look at porn. And if she don't like that, then, you know, get another one, man. You got to hide You gotta hide shit in your own house? What kind of shit is that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yes. Wow. That's and you wonder why fifty percent of people get divorced, living these secret lives and shit. <clears throat> woman accused of leaving child in car after accident. A twenty-four-year-old Chicago woman, Chi-Town, was charged with child endangerment after she bolted on foot from a car accident and left a three-year-old boy alone in the vehicle Tuesday evening. Police said. Wow. Shakita S. Russell. 
of the 2100 block of North Springfield Avenue. Man, they give an address. Of course. Was charged with endangering the life and welfare of a child. Driving without a license, failing to have insurance, leaving the scene of an accident where the vehicle was damaged. Um, Russell was arrested at 11.30 p.m. after she returned to the accident scene on the 1800 block of North Karloff Avenue in the Hermosa neighborhood. Kubiak said she was identified by a witness as the driver of the 2001 Chrysler Concorde that had crashed into another car and was left behind, police said. After the accident, which occurred at 9.35 p.m., Damn, uh, Russell left the car and the boy was found alone in the backseat of the vehicle, police said. The boy was the child of her boyfriend. Damn, so she left her boyfriend's kid in the car. Wow. There was no indication that the boy had been injured, the police said. So, basically, she left the baby behind to try to come back and get him. So, that is very odd. Um, and very strange. The last article I want to read... New Brunswick thief poses as police officer to steal wallets from Hispanics. A man impersonating a police officer has stolen wallets from three Hispanic residents of New Brunswick in the past four days. The man driving a Volkswagen Passat or Beetle, so he don't even have a real police car. He ain't rolling no Crown Victoria? No, he rolling up in a Volkswagen. Oh gosh, and they fall for it. Poor things. He flashes headlights to pull over a driver, shows shows a badge, claiming he was an undercover officer. He said he was checking identifications and for outstanding warrants. Wow. <laughs> Each time the man took the driver's wallet, claiming that he wanted to check the other identification against computer records, then he walked to his car and drove away. The first two incidents occurred in the area of Sanford Street. Miller said police are checking into the reports that similar incidents occurred in other towns. And see, the thing is, if you um, if you target Hispanics, so many of him, so many of them are here illegally that they won't call the cops. So this is definitely, oh, this is definitely not. He definitely did this more than three times. You know, he did this hundreds of times. Yeah, and the man is described as Hispanic with dark hair and spoke both English and Spanish. So this is actually a Hispanic man targeting his own people. Wow. Poor um, Hispanics. They get it from other people in their own group, too. Yep. And I say we just kick them all out of the country. It's the only way to get it to work. Or we bring back slavery. I don't know. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Black Guy Test Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Rodimus Prime. And um, say that again, that is in D-A-T. And also uh, check out the blog or join our Facebook group. Just search The Black Guy Who Tips. And uh, definitely leave us a comment on our Podomatic page or iTunes or on Facebook. And we'll get back with you guys next week. Hopefully we'll have a couple of guests lined up. So, uh, you know, until then, love you guys and love you. Love you too, baby. Bye. And you can't do this, yeah. and you don't do that, that. Baby, 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 baby. Try to say the nigga that she with, ain't shit. Try to say the nigga that she with, ain't shit. And you can't do this, yeah. and you don't do that, and you can't do this, yeah. and you don't do that. Try to say the nigga that she with, ain't shit. Try to say the nigga that she with, ain't shit. And you can't do this, yeah. and you don't do that, and you can't do this, yeah. and you don't do that. Try to say it all. Beat it up no more You don't come around my head Throw that ass on the floor You don't spend no time You don't stimulate a mind You don't take her out to eat And you never treat a kind
can't even touch you. But another nigga will come through and gon' fuck her. You need to get your mind right, man. Gon' raise your kids, put a man in their life. Uh, or I'ma put it in your wife, man. I'm trying to tell you what the cross said last night. He don't stick it, he don't lick it, lick it. He don't take it out to the movies. I'm popping like a nigga that she with. Ain't shit. Shout out to the nigga that she with.